to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Hola y bienvenidos a Pod Damn Los Estados Unidos. El, <laughs> I rhymed. Podcast uh, de socialismo uh, y el spooky ghosts para los <laughs> estúpidos. For the dumb. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Pod Damn America, the gothic socialist podcast for dumb ass motherfuckers. For the stupid children. I kind of like this new one. Just for the stupid children. Um, <laughs> but Los by, niños tantos. By the stupid children. Uh, I'm Jake Perez. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Los niños. Alex Patek. Hey, didn't see you there. I was just speaking in Spanish with my friends. <laughs> and and e, Anders Lee. Anders Lee, aquí. Uh, like, I did that same joke last week, but it's, it's staying. It's classic. It's classic. Yeah. People ask people ask me what is a joke, and I say it's when you tell people where Anders Lee is in Spanish. <laughs> a joke that is a lot of people that describes a lot of people's comedy. They they throw in random Spanish words into their English vernacular, and it's funny. It's cute. Uh, structurally, if you break it down, you have the setup. Anders Lee, where is he? <laughs> here, that's the misdirect. He's right here. Uh, tengo un novio. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a boyfriend. Said I have a boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yo, soy hermana. My Latin Anders. <laughs> a little different. <laughs> I have a sister. <laughs> also true. Uh, you have a sister? Mamacita. Mamacita? Is that it? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. <laughs> That's a perfectly reasonable thing. Whoever, oh man, the uh, right wing Latin Americans who are tuning in to hate listen to this are already so angry. Yeah, oh. I hate how much of our fan base that is. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel bad. <laughs> Anders, did you have like a run in with somebody? Yeah, what happened? Who got pissed? Oh, because of the Venezuela. From the video, yeah, yeah. We made oh. a, yes. And when we've uh, talked about it before, you know, it's a controversial topic. This is what I've been thinking about all week. Claro. Is what is worse? Being, because I've been in the both, I'm I've been on both ends of this, getting screamed at by right. Some might say Guisanos. I don't know if that's, I don't know if I should say that or not. But no, definitely they get, say it. They get very angry, cool. but I don't know if that's worse than getting uh, lectured by the Workers' World Party people or like tankies. Like what? Which one is worse? They're both pretty bad, and I've gotten from both ends. You know. Uh. Payasos to the left of me. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot what the word for Joker is, but it's very funny because it's on the fucking fly, the poster for in Spanish. Chistosos. It's some at word that is just is not as menacing as Joker. I feel like I've been walked into this surprise Spanish quiz, and I was not prepared. <laughs> it's uh, been a long ass time. I agree with this motherfucker right now. Um, hold on. Venezuela, that just reminded me of something. So I don't know what's going on with my Twitter, like in general, sure. But like um, this week, I followed Ben Garrison because I just realized I hadn't been following him. But like he just shows up in your life. You know, there's like enough of his shit sort of 
whenever you tweet, uh, make something that's particularly weird, it'll get retweeted into my uh, timeline. But I eventually was like, I should go straight to the source. I should just be <laughs> following him for you know for more Ben Garrison shit all the time. And, I mean, he's consistently draws shit that would be cool that we want. Yeah, it's like a buff Donald Trump. <laughs> or just, well, not that, but so many. Actually, I, I want that. I want Donald Trump to get fit. I want him to leave office and work out. I want him to work out in the office. I think it's never too late to start. True. <laughs> um. So he followed me back like within a day or two, I guess, because like the blue check mark or something. But like you know, he's in for a surprise, I guess, if he listens to this or whatever best case scenario is that he listens to the podcast grows to hate us and then we become like weird over sexualized characters in a ben gear and then we get oh yeah about (laughs) we're all on the same page we all want this to happen pretty badly i want a sexy anders lee or like a cucked out anders lee (laughs) something weird Uh, anders what's gonna be the angle when he does something with my foreskin like with a bunch of government money in it. I don't know. No, it's... Uh, He's got government cheese under his hood. Because <laughs> he doesn't clean his smegma. The smegma oh, is the deficit. This is supposed to be the public episode. <laughs> Not the pubic episode. Oh, yeah. uh, it's. I'm sorry, I referenced that smegma story I, I you brought keep telling. The, I don't know. That's patrons. Yeah, Only the- it's just my go-to when people are asked, like, hey, what can I roast you about? My go-to is I have an uncircumcised penis. I uh, didn't know that. but that's There's a lot know. of worse things you could say about me, but that's, like, just the easiest thing to offer for You just battle. gave it to Ben. Yeah, take Ben's it. Got Run it with now. it, Mr. Garrison. I think a Ben Garrison's scathing takedown of Anders is, like, so now we know he's got the fucking smegma uncircumcised dick out. And he's also saying, I have a girlfriend, and then his girlfriend is like, you know, some thing that Ben Garrison hates. It's like the the, the government or something. Um, a Jew. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just... <laughs> and he's dating the elusive Jew. <laughs> that actually Not would offend him a lot the because Jew. it's, you know, a Jew dating an uncut guy who's the Gentile. That's not good for the the Zionist project. Ham on what is this conversation right now? Yeah, we've got. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, um, we should talk about Bolivia. That's the fucking story of the week. Right? Wait, are we going to talk about Churro Lady? The gr- I guess solidarity. We should pour- the Bolivia of New York. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably pour one out for the Churro Lady. Uh, for anyone not local to New York, I, I don't know if the story went national, but like, um, there's this fair. There's this thing where the NYPD has decided to um, just start cracking down real hard on fair evasion, which is uh evil thing to do, you know, because the NYPD famously... There's just... How many unsolved murders and other things could the NYPD be doing, you know? Well, the thing is, the MTA keeps raising the price of yeah. the subway, and because people can't pay for it, and there's increasing pressures on, like, a state level, like, bring these prices down, fix the subway, and that is it just goes unaddressed year after year. So what they've done instead is just pay policemen to just, like, rough up teenagers jumping the turnstile to squeeze more money out of it. And just generally, like just do state terrorism to people yeah just make you afraid to cut in line there's always just like if you jump a turnstile you turn the corner and there's just a fat guy with like a fucking badge on like a lanyard around his neck and he's just like 
and then you go, what, what the fuck is the point of this guy's job, you know? Because, um, I don't know. I mean, it's legal to swipe someone in, you know? So, like, why... They tried to make that illegal, too, and it just didn't stick because you've already paid for something. But you know what it is? It's that voice in your head when the first time you jump a turnstile and you're like, I can't just jump the turnstile. <laughs> Something's going to happen if I jump the turnstile. And you do it and you're like, oh, oh, it's it's just here and I could just jump over it. And, and uh, you learn like you live in a real world. But now we've created a surveillance state where if you do it, they have like plainclothes officers hiding that like come find you yeah and tackle you to the ground getting away with it feels great and then the one time you get fucking busted for like 50 bucks over it it fucking sucks and um but there's like this you know boiling like sort of uh it's like a good goddamn spike lee movie or something like people are pissed off about it and so people are organizing and going down there and just like jumping the turnstiles in mass which i think is a really funny cool thing to do to just like completely you know, bowl over any uh, any situation where they would be able to like crack down on it. But so because that's happening now, the NYPD is like cracking back at the churro lady for some reason. Like, right in the subways, in our beautiful subways, not only is it just riders, but there are also people just selling baked goods sometimes you have to understand. And they just hang out down there all day. It's a New York institution. She makes a living. Yeah. It's my understanding that they have become so pissed off and are so unable to like fight back against mass amount of people jumping turnstiles. They've just turned the gun 45 degrees. And we're like, if this is going to happen, we're going to take out everyone's favorite person in the fucking subway and arrest a churro lady. But I also think that probably what's going on here is that like, you know, cops are fat guys and they like famously eat donuts and shit. So like they there's a video of them like and this churro lady is saying, like, can I at least keep my churros? And they're like, no, that's, like, contraband or something. <laughs> they have to expropriate the churros. They're going to take oh, they're taking the churros. Is that because there's trans fats in them? They're going back to Bloomberg era? Oh, sure, maybe. But that's also yeah. probably why they want them so bad. I just think yeah. this is going to end with... They probably want them because they taste so good. You know those uh, Facebook photos that cops take where they, like, lay out, like, $37 in cash and then, like... <laughs> 20 sack of weed and they're like we took this yeah. off the street but it's like it's like half the churros that they seized you know because their crumbs are all over their mouths and shit right um this, this is uh, five, fifty-six thousand calories off the street the you're welcome well this is like a a so-called quality of life crime which we talked about with sean kb right. on our episode about uh, the giuliani era uh about this is sort of disorder in the eyes of uh, broken windows theorists and the the police head honchos in cities like New York. They think a subway should be a totally automated place. Like you, you get in there, you go to point A to point B. Uh, they shouldn't have things like someone from another country giving unregul unregulated snacks out, you know, or people dancing like all that. That type of thing is just disorder to them. Anything that's just not complete 100% monotonous routine has to be dispensed with to have an orderly city in their view. It keeps you from getting to the boardroom. Yeah. But this is like a worldwide phenomenon though, the resistance to it. And it's hard to really stop because there's nothing inherently violent about fare evasion when it's happening on mass, when you have hundreds, thousands of people doing it at once, it's hard for the 
authorities to stop them, especially because they don't, they're not necessarily breaking anything or killing anybody. Um, but that's we've seen it being a, a fairly successful tactic in, in Chile, where uh, the president has just announced that he will sit down and try to hammer out a new constitution because apparently it's been since the Pinochet era since they've they've gotten a new like constitution. Yeah, no one's read it. It just says crazy shit in there. <laughs> yeah. It says stuff like you have to clean your room <laughs> and that like fire trucks ha- are gay. That's what it says. Pinochet wrote it. I didn't write it. Don't be mad at me. Pinochet. Clean O'Shea. That's what they called him because he always wanted you to clean all the time. Yeah. But yeah, so they they like they got to redo it because it's all fucked up. Yeah. Got to redo it because it's all fucked up. Because well, it's all fucked they up. They might. I mean, the exciting thing, and we'll we'll see if this goes through. Probably won't. But there are there's talk of breaking Chile down into constituent assemblies, sort of completely decentralizing the government. In a very like local, almost anarcho-syndicalist fashion, some sort of collection of Soviets. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen but in Chile. Cool. <laughs> yeah, they'll probably have a cool new word for it, like beach slices. <laughs> probably that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Confederacy. Oh, beach slices, <laughs> and then like that's what you have to call them at meetings now. <laughs> It definitely feels like that uh, part at the end of Independence Day when it's cutting to like all the different places around the world that are taking this the fucking UFOs down and shit, and like in New York we're fucking uh, defending the churro lady against the fucking NYPD. It's obviously much less of a thing, but uh, yeah. <laughs> there's like cool shit happening that happened in Chile right before this. She just becomes the new Joker. She like <laughs> leads a mass revolt. <laughs> shit, fucking somebody's like they were wearing Joker makeup in the streets in like the uh, in the protests and shit. Yeah, and uh, something cool I saw today was like every once in a while something oddly eerie and like cyberpunk happens and. Uh, they were using drones against the crowds and someone figured out that if you hand out a bunch of green laser pointers, you can all like laser point at the drone and then fuck up its little sensors that like tell it when it's bumping into shit. So they like took down a drone with a hundred people like just like pointing at it. Digimon style tactic shit to defeat the drones. Were the drones like, shooting people or just monitoring them i think they were just who knows what they were doing i think they were just monitoring we probably would have okay there was a full-on like drone strike which i don't think <laughs> a while but, uh, but still a pretty cool thing to do um they had tiny men in them there was another one i saw and those men died i can't remember which country it was but somebody there was like a fucking roving thing that they like used a that they made a salt circle around like you would do like if you were doing like fucking witchcraft or some shit and somebody explained it i can't know the exact i don't know the exact science on it or whatever but it, like it fucked up the thing's sensors so it was just like a roomba stuck in one corner like ah salt it couldn't get around it pretty cool oh that's awesome i love this new uh conflagration of just like a uh, 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 movie magic working on these robots it's cool they're too dumb to get around it 
Yeah. And I just want to do that shit anyway. Like, I want to point a laser pointer at something. So to have a good reason to do it feels fantastic to me. I mean, I'm sure there's no shortage of, like, trust trust fund douchebags in Brooklyn who have drones that film shit. True. It would so. be funny if uh, when all the people were taking the drone down with the laser pointer, like a bunch of cats just came out of the woodwork and uh, <sighs> love laser pointers. And then like, <laughs> that's true. They do love laser pointers. The... That is a bit of a funny thing about them. Oh, uh, but any they're just hopping around. But yeah, Anders, I must uh, sadly point out to you that New York is a no-fly zone. For drones, it is against municipal law. Really, I th- I've known to people to be flying used them. such things around. Absolutely not. Well, I mean, not since nine eleven, my friend. Allegedly, known people have had guns in New York. Uh, you know, it's illegal, but someone you could someone has to have flown a drone here before, right? Okay, yeah, you I can know. Have a gun, have but like, think about film. how much easier it is to hide a gun than a drone. <laughs> oh, I know people with film stuff with with drones in in. South Slope. You allegedly. Well, allegedly, that would be against the law, my friend. Uh, And I am here to represent the city of New York and uh, (laughs) the the county of Brooklyn and just lay out what you can and cannot do around here. And I want to bring that to the public. Can I ask you that? Because this has been my dream for a while. Go ahead. Is in the summertime, a lot of rooftop parties, Uh right? Uh, sure. An aircraft, Wright Brothers style, that can fit a few people, and it hops from rooftop party to rooftop party. Is that legal? What is your question? Are you, <laughs> is it legal? Are you, is it legal? This is a thing you saw once, right? It, I haven't seen it. I, I've seen it in my head, but I have. It's, it does not exist as far as I know, but it's a business venture I would like to partake in. Uh, I don't think you could do it. But what <laughs> if, if you could, would it be allowed? Would we get shot down by the pigs? I think you. Yeah, I don't think you likely to pull off something like that with a hot air balloon sort of situation. Mm, okay. Now we're talking miniatures. That, that, that would work because you wouldn't have to run. You wouldn't have to do the takeoff like by circling around. You would. It would just like go vertically and. Or yeah. a Harrier jet where it like sh- fucking hovers, but. A full-on runway is hard to pull off. And- Runways hard to pull off. That's true. Yeah. So it, yeah, it'd have to be a levitating hot air. Well, what I think like would be the problem is you'd be infringing on. Uh, you can't go on the roof. <laughs> oh right. You can't even be on the roof now. You want to launch a plane off it. <laughs> it's also a problem. You're not yeah. even supposed to be up there. I'm just saying, like, if you could get, they have these things called the pedal pubs in the Midwest. Where it's like a bunch of assholes will drink while they're biking, and it's like flying in Orville Wright (laughs) plane. Yeah, if you get people to sign up, each everybody puts in like two hundred bucks or something, and you have like a Saturday night where it's like we're gonna go to these seven parties. Everybody strap in, uh, and it's low power airplane. I think that's a good idea. And they die every time. You're saying? I, I don't think everyone would die. There might be, there would be loss, but it, I don't think it would be the entire crew every go. Right. You know, man, people in the Midwest take DUIs to the next level every chance they can. Well, there is okay. There's a great video. Sorry, getting off track here. There's a great video of the Pedal Pub, which is this uh, bicycular fucking mobile bar, and a bunch of people would squirt them with squirt guns. 
And it turned out one time they would do this little prank because nobody likes them. They're very annoying. But they did it to a group that was on the pedal pug, pedal pub, excuse me, who turned out to be off duty cops. And they just like beat the shit out of the pranksters. (laughs) It's like a video of it. It's insane. Oh, no, that is not a fun prank. No. No, it's actually kind of fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you know what else is a fun prank? That's fucked up. Doing a coup to a sovereign <laughs> country. Bolivia is in the midst of a coup. They got a new president. She's, um, I'm not going to say she's not attractive. Wow. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Start. I mean, that's, I think, a strategy, quite frankly. Uh, we need a Disney princess neoliberal installed president. <laughs> Evo, who was taken out, also an attractive person. If you've seen his hair, it <laughs> has not really changed since he was elected in 2005. It's thick, it's dark, full. Somewhere in between nice. Eric Estrada and the Incredible Hulk. Is fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it looks yeah, like it being does. president has like relaxed him. It's a very bold character. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's legit. Yeah. Um, this is the kind of consistency the people demand <laughs> so anyway I'm sure you've heard uh, many a podcast by now about the situation down there it ain't great although uh, it looks like the MAS the Socialist Party has, still has a pretty strong majority in the Senate so uh, we'll see how it shakes out but I've I've lost a friend already. I happen to know somebody who's in Bolivia, another white dude like me, who for some reason is in Bolivia and is telling me that I don't I'm getting not getting a full story. Evo's a, a tyrant and a dictator and all this crap. I've kind of reached the conclusion where it's like it's never easy to point this out and it's all it's always a dickish thing to do. But sometimes you just have to say, like, look, you're you are in this place physically, but that doesn't mean, you know, anything about what the fuck is happening around you. Like if you drop the Bolivian in Kansas, they would not somehow become an expert in uh, Kansas City zoning regulations like you have to you have an obligation to argue with people who have firsthand experience with these things. You have to mansplain. American imperialism uh, to people who are experiencing the consequences of it firsthand uh, because it is a coward's way you out. You have to do that. It is a coward's way out to, and I'm guilty of this too, is I'm so, I've sort of eased some of my uh, extolling of people like Evo because of pressure from, from people who are from down there who will be like, you don't know what it's like, you're an American. Uh, but that is the coward's way out. I think you have to stand firm uh, about being against the the coup and and pro uh, Evo Morales in this case. It's a really convenient narrative for just the other side of this argument because you can't disagree with it. And there's also like there we I think it would be like sort of nicer to imagine that like all of the people in Bolivia are on the side of Evo and that there's this singular factor in that there's like a CIA coup that comes in and organizes like 
a handful of people and creates a situation where there's a you know an overthrow of government and everyone hates it but the fact of the matter is that there are like right-wing forces within countries like bolivia and venezuela and there are also people that usually you know i would probably make an argument that the best indicative or the best indicator of them being on the side of the right wing is is like a class interest thing where they have money or whatever yeah but there are all these these Joanna Hausman types who are fucking rich and they're from that country and they, you know, maybe aren't even being that cynical, maybe just see things a certain way, but they're still wrong. And yeah. so there's no reason to give someone way more, like, um, benefit of the doubt just because they're saying, well, I'm here and I'm fighting on the other side of this fucking conflict. Like, fuck you, you're still wrong, you know? Right. It'll I personally don't like to develop an opinion on any of these delicate issues until I take the time to listen to somebody at a frat in Miami. <laughs> Those are the most beleaguered people in the world. They've seen the most oppression. Many of them have lost slaves for their family and they have they have a lot to tell you about what you don't know. Right. That's the thing they always say about like, that. you know, they'll try to describe how uh, awful this third world regime they live under is and they'll be like, you don't understand that the, my family, we used to own a, a mine it was a business. Yeah, did you and see was, that? Yeah, and it was taken yeah, away yeah. by the government. For it's like the good that <laughs> we we want it that. Used to be mine. It was oh. mine. Oh, no, it's, it's really- oh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> folks, <laughs> a bunch of Italian guys getting excited that mine has two purposes. <laughs> I will give myself credit, though. Well, maybe I shouldn't give myself credit. I don't know how I should feel about myself doing this. I was in a conversation with a uh, Mexican woman the other day, and I asked her about Amlo, and she said she didn't like him. And I decided to not argue with her about this thing that I have read like three articles about two years ago. Uh, So good on me for that. (laughs) Um, But Amlo is giving shelter to Evo, Amlo Evo, Uma Oprah, and happy about that nothing makes me more pleased than that bromance all i gotta say is that mr manuel obrador please uh be careful about the ice picks up there in mexico a moratorium on ice picks i think uh get them away for our boy yeah there's not a good history of of socialists seeking asylum in mexico it's a scary place for some um but yeah, would that make the new president the Stalin of Bolivia? Were you arguing with the yeah. lady? <laughs> <laughs> She's already been through a lot this week, Anders. You don't need to tell her what to believe. <laughs> she, yeah, I hope she's. I hope she's on the side of the tide. The pink there tide. Also- Oh, no. <laughs> I hope she's on the right side. This poor woman trying to sell churros in the sofa. If not, if she, what if it turns out she's like a fucking hardcore fascist? <laughs> <laughs> she's like one of those weird, obscure ones that's like not even into Nazi Germany, but some other shit. Um, yeah, she argues on Twitter with a fucking uh, statue avatar. The other. <laughs> The first Caesar had prima noctis, and thus we would render to our lord. The other people that offered some help to our boy Evo, I don't know if you heard about this, Anders. I heard that RT is possibly looking to offer him a job. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. 
And the only reason I they're looking to give him your job. I saw like a lib oh, friend and no. retweeted it, very alarmed in like a uh, you know Red Scare 2.0 fashion, and go like, "Do you think Russia's behind this?" <laughs> I don't even know what the narrative there is supposed what to be. What would the yeah? What would we be behind? I We're behind because we want his talent that badly. Is that we're willing to? Russia's only playing crazy angles. They want his hair. <laughs> they, is, the yeah. master plan that RT and the Kremlin are uh, putting together involves Anders, um, the fucking wrestler guy. Jesse Ventura? Jesse Ventura. And I guess Evo in his retirement. Just picture this. Vladimir Putin. He's still in his 60s. He's looking, a, a, you know, a little behind, beaten, beaten around the bush. Okay, one month, he suddenly appears in front of a camera, thick, lustrous head of hair, bowl cut all the way around his head. <laughs> I don't want to underplay the amount of nefarious shit that goes on at my employer, uh, but today... Larry King, who has a show in RT, is out, and uh, he was Dennis Miller was filling in for him for a number of weeks. Now it's Tom Green, who oh, <laughs> all three of those people are on RT. <laughs> yes, it's just like the strangest. Yeah, uh, he was interviewing T- Pam Greer today, which I want to check out. I didn't recognize her at first. She's got a whole new getup. Uh, Does he still do Tom Green shit like while he's being a state agent? (laughs) (laughs) Dennis Miller Uh, a Republican. That's like... Yeah. That's hard evidence against it being like this weird secret communist project i don't even i don't even know what the fuck russia the way these american pigs treat their foreign subjects reminds me a lot of the way rapunzel would let her hair down into the lakes outside of mordor (laughs) mordor i like the emphasis uh you know the reference didn't really make sense but his references don't make sense which makes it an uncanny impression (laughs) 10 out of 10 i've done it again (laughs) that's how he would say it too more yeah Mordor? Mordor. And then it would be like huge applause. Because the thing is, like, we always, we poke fun at the man, but he gets results. I don't don't know how you square that circle of being like, I mean, I guess that's why he doesn't have as many fans anymore, is like the big grievance of the right wing is the left being culturally pretentious, and his whole thing is just being as obscure as possible. He Uh, is a man that truly no one likes. Yeah. <laughs> occupies a space that no one wants that to happen. Should we kick it to our, our meat of the of the show today? Yeah, let's talk, talk. Walk us through it, man. So there was a uh, little film that came out in 2005 called Our Brand is Crisis, which is about the nation of Bolivia. It so happens. Uh, and it's, it's a documentary about... Uh, a political firm um, headed by James Carville (laughs) that decided to intervene in the Bolivian election in 2002, uh, at which time Evo was up for for, um, president. He didn't get elected that time, but he was up. Spoilers. He was up against uh, Goni. Who is this guy who had been president in the 90s and then comes back in 2002 and hires all these Americans because he's he's called the gringo 
well, the interesting thing about it is, uh, I mean, it, it goes into the Bolivian history, which is pretty fascinating given the current context we can get into in a minute. But it was remade 10 years later as a Sandra Bullock movie. In 2015, this documentary about American uh, political consultants was, was redone uh, as a Hollywood narrative picture. Um, and I don't know why that happened, but it's, it's an interesting movie because it's sort of, um, asking Americans to kind of confront our, uh, adventurism, if you will. Truly bizarre. Did you, the, uh, the documentary, the document, like film of the shit that actually happened. Yeah. Following the story as a pretty easy to read, like, a to B to C sort of, uh, you know, neoliberal interventionist sort of thing where the downfall at the end of it is that, like, you know, we shouldn't have fucking been doing this. And uh, it was a pretty failed experiment. And then watching what they made with this weird, like, Vice-ish, not Vice the, like, publication, but, like, Vice the fucking movie, like a interesting fictionalization in style um like mo- just movie like popcorn movie that where they tried to retell the story but completely missed the point of it and didn't really seem to capture like the spirit or anything of what was going on is so fucking baffling because they took out parts of it that like were even if you fucking missed the point and you got the story entirely backwards there were still were parts of this that were like kind of interesting it would have made a good movie i would say first uh example of that is just james carville is a very charismatic funny character they could have had a james carville character in this sandra bullock movie they totally didn't what, and- uh, it's billy bob thornton but he, but but see, in the, yeah, but it wasn't like really what he did. Okay, he, you're all. saying he, he was wasn't like as guy. Carville as as Carville. I didn't really try. It. No, but he was like a playing a made up role. Yeah. he's not her boss there, in that. He's like a. In reality, in the documentary, there is one American firm that goes down, and they go down right. to try to help get uh, Goni elected. In the movie, there's Sandra Bullock, and she's like this hotshot that is that firm, and then she has like a opposing firm, right. And that, they're like running um, Manfred or some, somebody, one of the other candidates. That's not a thing that happened. Which is a life. totally new story. It's yeah. not. Now. That's not what happened. And so Billy Bob Thornton's character looks kind of like Carville, but he doesn't really act like him. Like he's like all serious in the movie. But Carville in real life is so funny. In the documentary, he's saying weird shit. Like he's talking about Winnie the Pooh at one point, And he's like, you know, you got your like your piggers and your tiglets. That's not what the names of those characters at all. <laughs> That's comedy. <laughs> and he says weird <laughs> shit. Like he's like explaining to this fucking guy they're trying to install in Bolivia, and then his like his actual Bolivian staff, who there has to be a culture gap between them and James fucking Carville. He just like saunters into this room, and he's just like, "Man, the opposition over there, they ain't gonna know whether to whine they ass or pick they uh, uh, watch or whatever. or pick they <laughs> ass." <laughs> They won't know whether to whine or pick their ass by the time we're done with it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like an important distinction is in the real version, they only there was only one firm with one candidate in Bolivia, one American firm, uh, because it's a neoliberal firm and they're an international project. They they go around and do this to different countries. Of course, obviously, they've ran candidates in the United States plenty of times. You never but, compete against 
One of them keeps referencing Ireland, how they just finished a campaign in Ireland. Yeah, they go around the world and they believe, you know, from the outset, it's very clear that they're like, their thing is democracy and they see they cannot separate markets in liberalizing things like industry that were previously nationalized. They can't separate that from political rights. They see them as one and the same and like we're promoting democracy by privatizing the uh, a, a oil supply that was benefiting benefiting the whole population, uh, but you don't. In reality, there's not um, a bunch of the the there's. If you're a neoliberal campaign consultant, you're looking for the neoliberal candidate, and that was this guy who had been president already. Uh, you wouldn't. You know, there aren't. At that point, anyway, there weren't like there wasn't like some socialist campaign consulting firm sitting around waiting to get called up by Bolivia. Not like now when you can hire struggle session to come and coach your political campaign <laughs> from start to finish <laughs> right. for only five dollars a month. If you're a Latin American political party, actually consider reaching out to us. We don't speak Spanish. Uh, we don't know jack shit we about your not, culture. It's been evidenced in this episode. <laughs> we will help you. And that's true. <laughs> That was a bizarre thing is like, I don't know why, I guess it kind of worked, but it really shouldn't. Like the idea that these people who have been, you know, running the Bill Clinton Al Gore 92 campaign would somehow be good at helping a guy in another side of the world with a completely different election, like is a little hard to understand, but they export their, um, their values, you know, obviously he agrees with them and also like the tactics because they're, they're, you, you know, it's, it's about persona. It's about messaging. And, and from the, from the jump, they're like, people do not trust you. They do not believe you because you've already screwed them. So the only way you're going to win is by telling them that if they don't vote for you, things are just going to keep getting even worse. That's the craziest part of this movie, right? Okay. So I, I like watched part of it on the train and I got home and I was finishing it and my wife was home and I was trying to catch her up and I was like, okay, so the movie's following this guy, Goni, Gonzalo Sanchez de Lozada. And, uh, he's running for president, but remember he was president before. And then she stopped me there and she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, he was president, but then he stopped being president. And now he's trying to be president again, which is insane. Why would anyone trust you to do anything <laughs> correct after you've been president already? Well, she, They've seen you do your thing. That's a very common thing in, I don't think it's just Latin America. I think it's like most of the world, except for the U S is like people go in and out of power. They go on little vacations, sabbaticals, and then they decide to come back. Lula, uh, hopefully, we'll we'll do that in 2022, if not before. Fingers crossed. He's very physically fit. I don't know if you saw the video. I sure did. Ooh, um, Boston. Yeah. <laughs> but the guy in between Goni's terms was a dictator in Bolivia in like the 70s, I think. And then he's like, "Well, my dream has always been to actually get elected." So in 1997, he ran uh, and got elected, and then died. And then they had this new election. Um, well, doesn't that like per, like perform badly if his one uh, chance in office before was immediately followed by just like an a former dictator? Dictator, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not a bad sign to you that maybe this isn't a good idea for you to run again, right? And well, that was that was you know the name of the movie. Our brand is crisis. He was uh, leaving office. He was followed by a crisis candidate, and he gets back in to avoid another crisis because he may not make your life that much better, but he will uh, help you avoid a complete calamity. 
Um, I do very much enjoy watching the political process in other countries because we have our stupid shit we do here. Like, if if you watch politicians try to relate to, they'll be like eating a hot dog with some veterans <laughs> at the respecting country music festival. But if you go to other places, they like have that for Bolivia. So they're like, yeah, when you go outside, we have to rub confetti in your hair and you have to dance to pan flute. <laughs> That's part of the process. I want to see Cory Booker. It doing rocks. That. I loved it. I want those hats. So they all have those cool like mountain hats. Oh yes, the top hats are so fucking cool. Yeah, they're like so tall, but they're long. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, they look like uh, the Baba Duke or the Penguin or something. Um, <laughs> Big shout out to hats. To me, the biggest this this kind of crystallized a distinction between liberalism and leftism and the way we approach taking power uh in the liberalist in the liberal worldview you have a candidate who has a message and um has moments and is trying to relate to people and there's an art to that there's an art to messaging there's an art to uh defining your opponent and all this stuff the leftist view is just like let's get a bunch of people let's knock on a bunch of doors and let's tell people why their life might be better. You know, it's just the diametrically opposed. There's not the same, you know, and this, this was kind of like, well, it's an extremely like 2002 movie, right? Yeah. So I, I, I only watched the doc. I didn't see the wonderful Sandra Bullock film. <laughs> I did see the teasers. So I get the gist of what they're going for, but the entire thing is like there is no other option. Like the political consultants aren't thinking like we are doing one choice. They're like our markets are the only choice and these people are too stupid exactly. to realize yeah. that. I think even the documentary on some level it's a documentary and so when you film a documentary you have to kind of like not make it completely anti the people you're filming and like let them sort of look okay in it or etc. Um but the name of their project our uh, brand is crisis is very similar to the shock doctrine that mm -hmm. Naomi Klein talks about and which is originally titled our shock is crisis <laughs> <laughs> but it's also funny because it sounds like that book our band could be your life but not <laughs> about uh, Black Flag and shit at all. It's about this, right? It reminds me of that game Time Crisis. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> but structurally, what Naomi Klein talks about in the Shock Doctrine of being, you know, this thing that we see come later on, or um, well, I guess actually it's happening during some of the same years of the Iraq War and stuff that's being uh, put forth by like the Bush administration in like you know coming into situations like in the Iraq war when everything is fucking in chaos and then just like, you know, it, laying down the groundwork for this like far right wing free market capitalist thing to exist is, um, you know, that shit went back to CIA going into Chile and installing Pinochet. Um, and it's also, you know, I, it's like pretty similar to what is happening here that, that these like people that work for Democrats are, doing in bolivia it's like you know right if you if you look at like the fucking new york times official <laughs> update of the week or npr's coverage of bolivia right now it's uh evo morales removed after disrespecting term limits after fishy election results there's nothing about like you know the, the coverage of the military's portion of it is evo morales blames the military yeah right. and they're not able to use like the chaos of the moment to sort of like just 
paper over that sort of shit. I don't know. I mean, uh, we should gawk through well, this and then get to what's happening now. I think after that, because like, there's other stuff. There. Goni was all was actually when he was president in the '90s. He did quote unquote shock therapy. Uh, oh, actually, this is in the in. Um, sorry, when he was a planning minister, yeah, that that was a big thing. They had hyperinflation, uh, and so they like massively cut spending. Um, yeah, and then it says somewhere on there that they privatized water. Yeah, at some point, <laughs> right? Because he firmly believes in things that were unpopular in Bolivia. Uh, you know, and and as they call it in the movies, people who are Bolivian marketization or uh, capitalization they don't even call it marketization just like full-on c-word capitalization that was another <laughs> strange thing is Weird. that you have because they're used to american politics they come in and they do all these focus groups so we have all these like poor bolivian people who are like sent in a room and they're like asking them all these questions about like well what do you think of this jacket what do you about what about this what about this phrase is it authentic blah 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 and they're like i i don't have a house like <laughs> when we say you'll have to pay for water, does that sound better than you'll get water for money? Strongly disagree. Slightly disagree. <laughs> They're like, okay, like just not even in the same language. If we paid for Cheech and Chong to come down here and uh, rip a sweet bong using nationalized water, how would that test with you? <laughs> My dog. It's very sick. <laughs> but they do end up squeaking them in there. Uh, and, you know, another difference between there and our elections is it's multi-party system. So this guy is elected with like 22% of the vote. So like the vast majority of Bolivians are not in favor of this government. Uh, and there's even... It's just so – we were talking earlier, uh, The one of the main characters who's part of the firm is just like so much like a Fred Armisen character. He's just like this smarmy uh, sort of elitist nerd who um, – he, he has like a fucking uh, Portlandia yeah, vibe. Yeah, very Portlandia vibe. And he even – He's missing like a wife character <laughs> in, in this. That would really complete him. Kind of do like uh, – Jim Halpert in the office vibes at the camera a lot. I think the documentary is was a better movie than this fucking fictionalization looks like it would be. I haven't watched the movie, but saw the trailer. Yeah. Looked like trash. Not even gonna watch. Well the Sandra Bullock do better. But he has a line where he's talking about democracy and you know how their their project is to bring that to the entire world through, you know, private goods. And he says, oh, yeah, we kind of uh, overestimated Bolivians' capacity for democracy. We don't know if they're ready for it yet. It's different than in America because that's just kind of in the DNA there. Like, he actually says that. The Bolivian mind, it it understands the pan flute. It doesn't. It can't <laughs> appreciate voting and its many buttons. <laughs> <laughs> getting getting a ballot from an old woman and then filling out the circles you <laughs> want. It's too complex. Yeah. But in the documentary, our brand, whatever, is Crisis, you have, like, a real camera talking to this fucking Fred Armisen-ass motherfucker and watching him either play to the camera on some level or, like, just, you know, rationalize to himself what is happening there. And I'm sure he's one actor within this systematic thing, so he probably on some level just thinks, like, I'm a professional. I'm good at this. My job is to go help install 
democracy in this fucking place or whatever. But I mean, something that is interesting to me is a stark contrast between the documentary, which is what happened in real life and the fictionalization of this is that like we were saying in the fictionalization, in order to create drama, to try to make this into a story that, you know, Americans can eat popcorn and eat or whatever, they create this situation where there are two competing firms that are both helping ostensibly two different candidates, you know, trying to both of them for uh, just for the interest of the candidate for the interest of democracy, like get, you know, their particular style of government off the ground. And I don't think that's a thing you ever actually see in real life in these like, you know, America's fucking backyard, uh, Latin American installation situations. You see the state itself kind of, putting all of its chips behind one fucking person and in the situation specifically in bolivia in this documentary it was the gringo it was the guy who like is fucking spent most of his time in america and was very- or definitely capital is entirely lined up behind him yeah and uh and he's very much opposite evo which is like a fucking dude that's like straight out of the cocoa farms and shit yeah it's just so crazy to me that anyone would be taking, I'm sorry, I hear a crazy echo of me right after I finish talking, um, that anybody would see this documentary or even be just be aware of the events and then try to put a positive spin on it in a movie. Because the timeline is there's the 2002-2003 election where they have a bunch of people running, Goni wins by 22%, which is like... 10,000 people or however many people it is just like almost no one he's just like technically a win because of these consultants then he's in charge for like a year the entire country falls apart and like people are murdered in the streets until the complete government completely collapses he's forced to leave the country (laughs) and then uh eventually like everything goes to shit and then Ava Morales eventually takes power and then your spin on that is like what if it's a beautiful woman? <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing is that in the documentary, there is a woman that works for the firm, and she's like, in the end of the movie, she's just talking to the Fred Armisen guy, and she's just like, I've been so many places that are like war torn and just in shambles, and I've never like walked outside like when i walk outside of this building and there's just no government <laughs> there's just nothing like she's just like described i have described never it. felt so unsafe <laughs> yeah she's describing like walking outside and feeling like you were not in a society on planet earth like you were in something pre <laughs> before like rules and shit and he's just kind of got that weird like detached fred Armisen vibe and he's just like uh-huh uh-huh that's the part where- i don't know what to do yeah i told him not to raise taxes he did it's such a funny moment because he did it too i wouldn't have done it on the people he did it on right <laughs> he's just kind of like i don't know and she's like dude like essentially doesn't say that but like her vibe is just like what the fuck did you do you know yeah yeah this is she's when trying to like talk her way out of it it's a very funny this scene. is this is when uh the president has to raise taxes to pay for a pipeline which she says will benefit the people of Bolivia in the long run. But uh, in order to do that, he has to raise taxes on everybody. And he goes on TV, says it. People are very upset. And she says to the Fred Armisen, uh, like, why did he raise taxes on poor people? Why didn't he just do it over like 15,000? And he's like, oh, he, he did? I thought he was doing that. Oops. Oh, I told him I not told him, to. yeah. Oh, he did that? <laughs> uh Oh, why am I even... I mean, you're telling me, and I'm thinking... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that was the most Portlandia fucking moment of the entire thing. But again, he was already president. And whenever they talk to the focus groups, they're like, he was already president. He invited in all these international businesses that took all of our money and gave jobs to foreigners. And then they're like, well, we looked it up and not that many of the foreigners have the jobs. And then did the same shit immediately. Right. That's the thing they kept going back to was like, well, the statistics say uh, unemployment has gone down, but people don't feel it. It's like instead of looking at the statistics, maybe there's something wrong with your stats. I don't know. But the interesting thing about the fictionalized version is there really is no analog to Evo Morales. It's a two person race portrayed as a two person race between uh, Goni and his, you know, the person who um, and yeah, the, the, the guy was a mayor. But Evo is not one of the candidates. The closest thing is in a scene where they're going through rural Bolivia. The the campaign bus gets attacked by indigenous people. They just like throw rocks at it and they surround it. And uh, one of the kind of the ringleader, I guess, looks like Evo. And so the candidate gets out of the bus and wants to try and talk to them. And they're like, we want to know your stance on the IMF. Are you going to like just let them take the reins or like, what are you going to do about the IMF? And he says like, I promise I'll make it a referendum. I'll ask the people first before we move forward with IMF policy. Ladies and gentlemen, Sandra Bullock is on this bus. I beg you. Yeah. <laughs> Please leave us Basically, alone. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's just like a, a scene about the power of triangulation, just about uh, the ability to just bullshit to people. And it feels authentic. And that's a big thing in the movie is like, get him to be authentic. Like one of their victories is, oh, we got him to cry in this interview. We did it. But one of the ways that they end up winning against a candidate who, again, there's no difference really illuminated in the movie between their actual politics, him and the other guy he's running against. It's just like an, another, um, I guess, middle of the road politician in Bolivia. But the they, the way that she wins is and she's and uh, one of the through lines is she had a romantic history with Billy Bob Thornton who oh, is kind of supposed to look like James Carville, but he doesn't act like him. Um, <laughs> and they approach each other at, before one of the debates, and uh, she's reading Faust. Um, and she and he asks her, anything good in there? And she says, oh, yeah, there's this quote where he says, uh, it's nice to win with – if sometimes you have to win – uh, a revolution with guns, but it's better to win with hearts. And he's like, oh, that's a good line. And then he says, this is the weirdest scene in the movie. He's like, after this is over, I'm going to masturbate to you so hard. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Wait, does he, he like really yes. says that? That's not you editorializing? I, I, not, it's not verbatim. It's uh, phrased a little more artfully than I'm capable of with my suavacity. Imagine how James Carville was <laughs> I'm going to masturbate to you. Uh, I'm going to go <laughs> oh, back to Louisiana. I may not own a dog, but I'm about to beat right, a pooch, right, right. if you know what I'm saying. Be yeah, bad. you would use a metaphor. Yes. Southern, like, Mark Twain shit. That was weird. The goat fucking thing in the oh, documentary. You took all the spices in my cabin. You remember the goat fucking thing in the documentary? 
where he's just like, fucking? I, I know you sh people say he fucked a goat. He's just like giving an example about something. And he's like, well, if people uh, are saying our candidate fucked a goat, we got to We don't we don't want to be the ones denying that a candidate fucked a goat. And like yeah. all these Bolivian people are just like, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> we paid him too much money. Just <laughs> yes. Listen. Just what listen are they to doing? Him. Why do you? It's like his whole head, his eyebrows somehow. Just listen to what he's saying. I honestly <laughs> think it would have been the same campaign if they hadn't have fired. Like, he would have done just as well to hire, like, a couple Bolivian staffers. Anyway. I was just thinking well, about, like, what a kick-ass job it would be to be James Carville. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine you're, you're uh, fucking uh, Goni, right? And you're, like, not really... You're in Bolivia and you're, you speak broken English, but you're trying to connect with the people. And then you've got James Carville coaching you and just like screaming in your ear, like, look, here's how you got to do, right? Just go out there and tell him that you didn't fuck. The, like, he's saying some metaphor, like, you know, if I fuck. I just, <laughs> yeah. like, I uh, fucked a goat, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You got to leave your pants on the ground, not the ground on your pants. <laughs> he's. He's messing up all of Carville's metaphors and just talking <laughs> fucking goats and picking his ass and shit. And people are <laughs> hearing. He's just his numbers go up, and they're like, "This guy's great," you know. The system works. So anyway, he the in the debate in the movie, uh, James Carville's. Oh yeah, so he tells her he's gonna masturbate to her, which is odd, and she responds by saying, "That would be an honor." <laughs> like what the f because he's supposed to be this like really revered political consultant and it, like in the universe of this movie and in a lot of people's heads uh political consultants are like geniuses the, the ones who are good like james carville they just have like a savant like quality and they're masters like uh well, you live in Washington D.C., aren't you? Around these people, I'm around people who Don't think they have that a magnetism. No, that makes you want them to jack off. I, <laughs> this movie was ghostwritten by by James Carville. That's the only situation when we're someone write a character that like kind of is James Carville, and all the women are so happy that he's sexually harassing them. Mm, yeah. <laughs> just have all this side dialogue about like you only lose your hair when your testosterone is above a certain level <laughs> <laughs> all this shit's just getting him off the hook for all his other shit yeah <laughs> people like bill clinton you did a good job but in this debate his candidate uses the quote from that we think is from faust and he says uh sometimes you have to win with guns better to win with hearts and it turns out that it's a quote from Goebbels. And uh, oh. uh, Sandra Bullock tricked him and gave him this good, juicy quote. Uh, and, you know, as some people may know in Bolivia, there is a history of Nazis coming in and fucking things up. Klaus Barbie was like in the Bolivian military for a period of time. Yeah, his, he had a group of assassins called the Grooms of Death. Yeah. Fucking messed up. Yeah. Well, it sounds funny, but I bet it's sad. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> so she manages to win her candidate the election, and there's just like in, in every Sandra Bullock movie, I've noticed this. There's a scene where she just goes hard. She just like fucking gets wasted and, and gets a bunch of other people who are like button buttoned up to like come and party. Uh, they did that mm -hmm. in Miss Congeniality. 
Um, and that happens here. And she like fucks up a hotel room and, uh, the fictional version of Goni like calls her into his office and she's like, I have bipolar disorder. And it's like her kind of in a midlife crisis and also running this campaign. Um, and she manages to win, but immediately after the win, there's big riots and the ending of the movie is her in a bus that's surrounded by these riots that are happening and she's starting to like reflect and she gets out of the bus and joins the riot and then at the very end she's being interviewed and it says she's in the lower thirds that she's a member of the latin american solidarity network so she kind of I don't know. It's hard to be like really mad at this movie because it seems she kind of comes around to, I guess, what we would want her to. But it's still just like a ridiculous film. I think it's easy to be mad at the movie. <laughs> the movie was bad and doesn't make any sense and definitely didn't need to be made. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason it got made is because George Clooney apparently was a producer and I think he saw the documentary and um, was captivated by it because he have you ever seen the Ides of March? Either of you? No, it's it's not good, but it's a George Clooney movie <laughs> that he wrote and directed. And uh, it's basically him saying that he could be president because it's a it's a political movie. Um, and it's about like he wrote all the lines, directed it, and he plays the guy running for president. And it's just every other scene is him just absolutely nailing it on a tough question. And most of them are are tough questions that other Democratic nominees for president have like floundered over. So like he's asked the uh, Michael Dukakis, what would you do if your wife was raped and murdered question? And he just has this brilliant answer. And it's just like George Clooney showing uh, that he should be the president of the United States. And so he, yeah, he has some. And so this shows that George Clooney should also be the president of Bolivia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's why we have what we have today. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, it's you take a documentary that has like a pretty decent message and you it's filtered through weird Hollywood uh, NGO goggles. And this is kind of the lesson you take away from it, which is like, well, we fucked up, but. The problem was the country only had one team of American political consultants when what they needed was two right. teams of American political <laughs> consultants. Maybe three, even three. Yeah. If they could get George Clooney himself down there, I mean, the, the situation would fix itself. <laughs> yeah, but I think it is telling that they, they just didn't have an analog for the person who ended up being president of Bolivia, Evo Morales, because that just isn't plausible, him hiring uh, an American consultant. I'm sure there are plenty of like, social like socialist uh you know burnouts who would love to give advice to any number of latin american campaigns but um 2002 that's not really in the works well even in the documentary of our brand is crisis um when they talk about the entire story of the documentary is framed around this race being between goni and his like you know other kind of center of the road counterpart manfred and then when they have manfred <laughs> manfred man um <laughs> when they have to explain like why uh evo comes out of nowhere and overtakes manfred by a point and becomes the second place they 
explain it as an aberration like the guy in the documentary is like ah you know when you're doing these uh these these sort of campaigns there's always a possibility that like five things can line up and one person can shoot up out of nowhere right and he explains that as to why suddenly evo even became a factor in the race and then after that they vaguely allude to the uh the populist sort of uh uprising against goni while he's in office and they're saying and now evo is like in the streets leading these people like as if he's he's this one thing and socialism is not like a uh a populist force that like would have eventually produced an evo anyway yeah like it's a mass movement yeah He's not a specific fact. Like, he agitated all these incredibly poor people. Right. So I think that, and then further mangled through the story of, uh, you know, the Sandra Bullock movie, it kind of shows you a lot of, like, the shortcomings and failings to understand left populism that are um, the reasons, you know, why all this shit is happening and why, uh, you know, um, we fail to see whatever we not us but the fucking u.s failed to see like evo's eventual uprising and then his presidency and then eventually they fucking showed up with the cia and guns and shit and took him out last week and uh sent him to mexico yeah i mean and that was if you know what i mean (laughs) that was one of the most frustrating things about it was the fred armison guy when he's asked about evo was like oh yeah he's cheap he's like a he's a uh running on the he's basically portraying him as like a gimmick tricks yeah he's like he's doing tricks yeah he's he has these he's not playing fair by like wanting to nationalize industry he's uh seen as a a huckster he's he's offering easy uh solutions because to them it's like by virtue of a policy being unpopular that makes it the more justified the harder it is to get consensus to do a shitty thing, uh, the more worthwhile it seems to neoliberals. Not to draw like the most obvious comparison or whatever, but like that's this is the same group of people, the same weird ass professional class, you know, lanyardy, dorky types of people that their job is to do this about Bernie Sanders in America, right? And to off what he's arguing as like, well, it's if it's so popular, then it can't work or something weird like that, which is the same kind of mental gymnastics that they're going through with sort of trying to sweep this Evo factor out of the like the even the framework of the story in this documentary. And then obviously in the fucking film movie where there's assuming there's not really much of him. No, best part of the movie, and we should wrap up, but I feel like we can't miss out on this, is they clearly don't want Evo to be in the story. Like, they're trying not to frame it with him in it. Like, you can tell just by the way it came out. But there's one part where they have to because Evo claims the U.S. State Department tried to kill him, and then the U.S. State Department makes a counter response <laughs> on TV that not only did they not try to kill him, but that he uh, hates America and may be working with Osama <laughs> bin Laden. <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot that was like the crux of his his supposed coming out of nowhere is that this this ambassador said all that shit, and then they were like, "Well, that'll surely make people hate him," and then all it did was make people fucking like him more yeah. and they were thrown off he's guard. cool like osama bin laden <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's obvious what actually happened there which is that nobody fucking trusts the american government so to watch that obvious factor come in and try to just like can go 
hello fellow kids or hello fellow poor people like you don't want this guy and then to say something as crazy as like i heard he works with osama bin laden it made people realize like <laughs> this is a real threat to the fucking u.s and this guy might actually have some steam and it just got people excited about him because like that's probably the craziest thing that happened to you all year if you live in that fucking place man oh <laughs> i mean they were trying to lump in chavez and like the castro even with the axis of evil they were trying to just make it like this network this mythic thing um it's, it's wild really axis. hard to do that with evo and that's like the thing that's like frustrating about this week is you know as far as people uh people who came to power from the pink tide like he's kind of the best one these flaws Obviously, there's problems, but like you compare him to Maduro or a lot of others, a lot of these other people, like he's done things pretty well, relatively speaking. And it's it, well, people like Chavez, but he died. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, just to connect, damn, like, pour one out. The story we're talking about here in this movie, uh, in the early aughts, to how we got to fucking this guy being let out of you know his own place with a gun and shit by the military a couple days ago um what happened is you know obviously after this uh the events of, of fucking goni getting like um you know pushed out of his own presidency and shit uh there's another guy right and then there's oh, oh, his vice president there were like is, uh, two more i think yeah there was yeah his vice president who um got in trouble because he was supposed to get rid of these weapons that they didn't need anymore in Bolivia, and he gave them to the U.S. He just like for free, and the people were pretty upset about oh, that. Oh, jeez, yeah, That's very smart. embarrassing. Um, U.S. loves buying and selling guns. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, but anyway, eventually, Evo, you know, does get elected in like a fucking landslide. Yeah, it's fifty huge voters. And yeah. then what he does is he immediately resolves this fucking thing that's been central to this whole conflict about the uh, the um, the deal that we're cutting they're cutting essentially with the U.S. over their natural gas. And what he does is he flips it around. It it was under Goni like a situation where the Bolivian state kept eighteen percent of the profit, and then the rest of it went to the um, investors, right? And what he does, he flipped it around to where the eighteen percent went to the investors, the rest of it went to the Bolivian state, which caused like pretty good growth, even though this is still like one of the second poorest countries in Latin America. Um, but it it caused a, a state of like you know pr pretty like positive growth, and uh, people were pretty happy with it for. A while and then um what happened is he's a popular leader i'm to understand what this is kind of what is going on with what happened last week um but there was this question of like term limits like technically he wasn't supposed to be able to run again but like um you know as we discussed like in fucking bolivia and in other latin american countries people go away for like 10 years come back yeah. they win again not the same as our system right and there are uh, governments all over the world where you know term limits have been just like abolished in this situation i know it's it narratively it's it's you can make this sound like a dictatorship mad with power thing but he was a popular leader and the way they were able to sort of uh, sell the idea that this was like a uh, a strong man sort of installing his own you know himself back into power and seizing an election unfairly was what happened is so there's like um there's two like uh there's like an exit poll type thing like a when 
they have the elections in Bolivia. There's the actual results that are, you know, iron and steel and written in, you know, permanent ink or whatever. But then there's a quicker like exit poll type thing that they air on the news, right? And as they were airing the results in the the not official at all exit poll, he was losing. Or he he wasn't winning like by a lot. He wasn't doing very well. Um and then uh as they were actually wrapping up the actual results this sort of fluctuation happened where they went okay fuck the exit poll we're going to come back with the real results and when they came back with the real results suddenly he had jumped ahead like 20 points or something but that's because the uh the way the elections work there is that they go from the like from the uh you know urban areas outward mm-hmm. and so the last votes to get counted are in urban areas and that's like where all of his fucking bases are rural areas right you know ass like you know socialist guy right so they're able to frame that to like you know the american reader as like look at this guy you know he a he he wanted to abolish term limits and he shouldn't have been running and then b um it looks like he he fudged the numbers right but in reality it was just the real results came in and they had they they you know there was a blip between the the exit poll in reality what was fudged was the will of the people <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what i would say that they did they fudged them right? yeah so this ends with um you know uh, this sort of like right-wing fucking you know populist uprising in the streets against him what we can probably assume is the cia coming in and agitating the military but either way no matter how you slice it the fucking president was like you know, ordered away at gunpoint. That's a coup, like, no matter what. I love learning about other cultures, but sometimes fucked up shit happens, and it's like, fuck. It'd be like that. It really yeah. do be like that. So, pour one out for the people of Bolivia. They're going through a tough one right now. Um, and be sure to check out this movie, the documentary, and definitely not the Sandra Bullock <laughs> one, which actually, it will be a waste of your fucking time. You know what I think happened? Okay. Nuestra marca es las crisis. Just one last thought on on this. Uh, they, I think it became sort of a romantic esque movie because Carville is famous for having a wife who's a Republican. Uh, so they wanted to, to kind of play that out, but in Bolivia and combine it with this, um, you know, documentary that Clooney saw when he was high. Right, and how would that? How how would we dra- dramatize that? I know. What if he says he's gonna fucking go home and pound off <laughs> Sandra Bullock? Yeah. Now I might need not be pushing a hoop down a street, but uh, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. Some weird old timey shit. You know, like saying the rent's too damn high, but what about when the high is too damn rent? Nice. <laughs> You go to the circus, see an elephant balancing on a ball. I go home to my wife. I see the Republican Party balancing on my marriage. <laughs> well, I think this has been done great service to our James Carville impressions, respectively. Yeah. And that's worth mm-hmm. something. Yeah. All right, mates. Yeah, go down there, eat that spicy booty, and it's a little like a, you know, it looks like a little, 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 like a little, little, little sewer rabbit. It's actually big. It lives in the bayou. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to go jack off. I don't know. Um, I'm going to go jack off. <laughs> <laughs> um, Any plugs or anything? 
Yeah, let's do plugs and get out of here. I got a plug. If you are in the nation's jack off. (laughs) (laughs) If you are in the nation's capital, Washington D.C., which is the capital for now, we'll see what happens. Come out on the nineteenth of November, Tuesday at eight thirty to fully full luxury space comedy. Uh, sorry, fully automated luxury space comedy. What is the name of my show? Fully automated luxury comedy. Thank you, Anders. Uh, it's a on a fully automated luxury gay space comedy. Yes. That term. Well, yes. <laughs> like, come out to gay space comedy. My show. <laughs> oh, God, no, fully... wrong... <laughs> Carville trying fully to push Andersley comedy. <laughs> Yeah, you can see me telling jokes and a couple and a bunch of other funny people. We got Denise Taylor, Andrew Cook, Kevin Titt, and Christina O'Day with uh, my buddy Francisco Benavidez. It's going to be at Spacey Cloud Lounge in Adams Morgan, 2309 18th Street Northwest. And that's again Tuesday, the 19th at 830. Love me some Kevin Titt. Um, you know what? My uh, We have a show next Wednesday on the 20th. We are doing the next round of Democratic debates. So come see us live at the Secret Loft at around 8 p.m. Whenever the dark hour ascends, we will be there and we will be live broadcasting these debates. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Patak Jokes, you dumb fools. That's it for me. Cool. I just got bummed out remembering we have to do that again. God, the debates are getting so long, <sighs> repetitive. Um, I'll work on my Carville for it. Maybe that'll be a fun thing to integrate. Yeah, bring your Carville. Cajun accent is hard, man, because there's like 30 different things going on. Um, but I'll work on it. Bring your Carville to it. Folks, uh, I'll be coming Come back. to the show. To the, after the after our live debate in December, I'm coming back to the Southwest. I'll be in uh, Phoenix and Bisbee um, if you're out in the fucking desert. And, and but then after that, Mm-hmm. More importantly, um, yeah, I'm doing... Do they have Megabus in Australia? Yeah, okay, more importantly, I won, <laughs> I won a meg- I won a golden Megabus ticket when I went to Philadelphia to open for Pepitone and, and Haversat, and uh, I what that means is I just can ride the Megabus for free for a year, so I'm coming everywhere on the right half of the country. Essentially, Megabus is like right down the Bible, like they carved up just the right you can't really fuck with like Mormon country or Northern California, but I was just up there, so fuck that. Um, fuck it. But all of next year, I'm going on hella tour because I can. Um, I've saved upwards of five hundred dollars in Megabus tickets. So uh, I'll see you soon if you're in the Midwest or Florida or Texas or you know Atlanta, Georgia, the Deep South, Boston, etc. Come on, all these fucking places. Hit me up if you put shows on. We'll just make it happen. I got a free bus there um anywhere with a mega bus good seats in the front and shit dude i'm gonna fucking ball out um that's it i think you know tour dates all that shit twitter website folks that's been another week of pod damn america give it up for yourselves there's give no up for everybody you've seen tonight <laughs> <laughs> you lost your mind too dude when i watched the joker yeah. movie with my mom like my hands started when they were like, in the club i started clapping almost i was like oh fuck that's not I'm right. <laughs> I just broke my brain with years of stand-up 
You're like when a soldier hears a firework. (laughs) (laughs) Spooked like a dog. For applause. (laughs) Then I salute. It's uh, finished in Spanish. Finish. (laughs) It's finisho. Finisho.